This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-3620. That's 800-261-3620. Who said Blue Monday? Today we stop living with the fantasy. Stop. I said stop living the fantasy that the Bob Hope, Perry Como, Kodak, NBC Christmas All-American football team special starring Phyllis Diller and the Osmonds is coming back to television. Stop. I say stop the fantasy that college is worth it unless you go to Princeton, Yale, or Harvard and your parents know somebody. Stop it for your own good. Stop thinking college gets you a career. It could. It will for some. Stop thinking about an election of an American president without a contested convention, without a fixed convention, very plausibly. Look for those things only in history books, for they are, as the great authoress said, they are gone. Gone with the wind. Very tossed. I'm Jay Severin, and I love you, and I love this job, and I love my country and my family, and coming to the air in a uplifting, encouraging mood. This is one of the very few days when that may take me, that, the mood I mean, may take me a few moments. I may need to work myself into it. Uh, on a weekend when I actually I actually had in my at least mental calendar, this weekend was going to be the one where I could back off a little bit because it wouldn't require that nagging sense. You know, you got to get up. You got to get up. You got to get you got to get in there and turn on the top of the hour on all these things on on a Saturday morning and on a Sunday morning too. So I you know, you don't have to pay attention <clears throat> 20 hours a day. And of course, I couldn't help myself and I did. 
And it's it's turned out that it's a good thing I did because this turned out to be very much a Trojan horse weekend in that regard. There was so much news that has been forced out or under of our news cycle that it finally surfaced. It's, it's almost like going to the doctor for a check and you go to the doctor because you, you have a pain in your leg and you say, gee, I hope the pain in my leg is nothing. And you go, you have your checkup and the doctor says, <clears throat> that pain in your leg, your heart skips a beat. That pain in your leg, it's nothing. But you do have diabetes. No, I, I mean, <clears throat> I'm being melodramatic to make a point here. The things that started to surface this weekend that were reported, that, and even unreported, but we had time to think about, started to really grab me. I must start. I had no intention of starting with this because I, I regard it as substantively unimportant. Maybe that's only because it's like a, a case of herpes to which we've become mortifyingly accustomed. So we hate it. It happens. We don't pay that much attention to it anymore when there's a another eruption. Here the herpes is Barack Obama, who most of us have tried to already place in the rearview mirror. No? And part of Obama's legacy, a big part, is that he, ha- he is a sadomasochist. Barack Obama is the guy who pays to get tied up by a man-looking woman in leather and have her walk on him in spiked leather heels and put out cigarettes on his chest. This is what gives him pleasure. And I, the, 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 the metaphor here is his foreign policy. The foreign policy of the United States under Barack Obama, has been to seek out foreign dictators, the worst of the worst, go to their house, put a ball and a gag in our mouth, get tied up, and get whipped, and get cigarettes put out on us, and have someone pee on us. And then when it's finished, Obama hands over a trillion dollars in American money, and, and then uh, plants savory, enthusiastic kisses around the buttocks of the murderous dictator, shaming us now and for the foreseeable future. Does anyone dispute that that is, in essence, a fair characterization of American foreign policy for the last seven years. I mean, we, don't, we don't specialize in American foreign policy here, but and I don't specialize in diabetes, but there's a certain point at which, you know, when they start to say you got to lose this toe, you start to pay attention to diabetes. Well, we, foreign policy-wise, we keep losing toes. Iran and North Carolina, uh, uh, no, I almost said North Carolina. Iran and North Korea... I'm not sure about North Carolina. Maybe when they get the bomb, depending on how they feel, I don't know. Iran and North Korea are firing off short and long-range missiles, saying they've miniaturized nuclear weapons. We say, no, 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 we're ignore that man behind the curtain. 
I am the great and powerful Obama. And though I was not going to start with this, the last 18 hours of my media life has been filled, almost filled, well, I, to, you know, really, the, the last 12 hours of my media life has been filled with Barack Obama going to Cuba. He wasn't asked. He invited himself. The country closest to us in our hemisphere that tortures, imprisons, starves, kills, and beats people and whole families because they might make a phone call or make a statement on a street corner to the wrong person. The nation closest to us whose hero is Che Guevara, other than your son and daughter, if they're at college, wearing Che Guevara t-shirts. Anyone wearing a Che Guevara t-shirt, that t-shirt ought to be set on fire before it's taken off, in my view. I'm, this isn't a Trump rally. I'm kidding. So I kid. But I am kidding about burning those t-shirts. I mean, I'm not kidding about burning those t-shirts. Che Guevara, huh? You know how many tens of thousands of people he murdered and had murdered? But, heck, he's got a beard and a beret. He coo. He could say coo. Huh? Twerking. Before there was twerking. El twerkingo. Dadito. El twerkingo. He coo. So Obama goes to see the Castro brother, the shorter one, the little peanut Castro. Despite the fact that people were dragged away yesterday for assembling in Havana, they assembled to beg the American President Obama, please don't come here now. Please don't validate this government that is still imprisoning, beating, torturing, killing people. Our jails are filled with freedom fighters, and all they ask to do is vote. Funny. No wonder Obama is sympathetic. I wonder how many members of the Republican National Committee are on this trip. They feel that way, too, about voting, which we'll get to in a second. Obama goes to Cuba, a communist dictatorship that imprisons and kills people with no preconditions. He goes to give them everything. He goes to ask nothing. He appears with the little peanut Castro brother, in a live international feed that's going on right now. And I listened to the first 40 minutes of it. And what it was, was a replay of every other one I've seen, only the worst I've ever seen. The little peanut Castro heaped scorn, criticism, mockery on the United States lectured Obama as to how much better Cuba is and how much more like Cuba we need to be. And Obama was just sitting there waiting for his chance in the script to bend over and grab his ankles. And it's been a little while, but the old feelings surged back to me. 
how long it's been since we had a president of the United States of whom we could be proud. How long a time it's been that we have been shamed by our president, let down, worked against by him, and otherwise felt totally alienated from and ashamed by the office of president. And it looks as we gather here on Monday, we are, by slightly different means, on a track to almost guarantee ourselves, huh? Almost guarantee ourselves one via one party, quote, unquote, or the other, our own little Castro brother. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Paid non-attorney spokesperson Adam Pulaski of the Pulaski Law Firm with principal office in Houston, Texas is the attorney responsible for the content of this ad. This ad is not legal advice and the choice of a lawyer should not be based solely upon advertisement. Services may not be available in all states. Attention Zarelto users. If you or a loved one took Zarelto and suffered a serious bleeding event, you may be entitled to financial compensation. Zarelto is a popular prescription blood thinner used to prevent blood clots and protect patients from strokes. These serious bleeding events have led to numerous cases of hospitalization and even death. Phone lines are open 24-7. Call 800-261-3620. That's 800-261-3620. The Jay Severin Show, only on the Blaze Radio Network. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. That's who we are together. We are the Blaze Radio Network. one 3393 I have so much more to share with you, but I think for the sake of my mental health, what's left of it, Uh, and your own, I'm sure far more intact, Dewey from Maryland, talk me off my windowsill. Uh, I'll I'll try. Um, First of all, uh, let me say that I love your show and... uh, and secondly, that I have uh, the most beautiful, lovely wife in the world, which can be debated by you, but uh, I just wanted to put on national talk <laughs> well, which, which, um, which ought which ought to be debated by me and and re-debated by you. Uh, but it's uh, wonderful to talk to you. Uh, do you have your tinfoil hat ready? Uh, always. All right, good. I always keep a spare in my car. So uh, I want to talk about the, uh, the establishment uh, bowing around Ted Cruz, as it were. Right. So um, my theory, and again, it's a little tinfoil hat-ish, and I know that, but uh, my theory is that they're doing it so as to gain back some of the Tea Party support that they may have uh, lost, obviously, over the last few years. And so they don't actually want him to win, but in the next elections, they want to say, hey, we did support your guy, your conservative candidate, but he lost. So now for the next three elections, you have to uh, support our so, if I understand you correctly, the establishmentarians of the RNC want to do just enough trickery and sleight of hand to persuade Tea Partiers and, and such that 
They really were sympathetic to their cause, and they really did all they could. But the support just wasn't there, and so that's why they fixed a convention to nominate Paul Ryan and John Kasich. That's absolutely right, because as we look at, uh, let's say, Lindsey Graham, I mean, not that he his Must matters I? at all. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. Um, if we mention his name, uh, if we think about him, <laughs> uh, the problem is, is that, you know, obviously any poll he had was in South Carolina. South Carolina is over. We look at Mitt Romney, and he endorses him for Utah. whoop de doo Ted Cruz already pretty much has Utah. Um, where, where is this great bush coming from? I'm not hearing anything from John McCain, although it would be nice to uh, to see John McCain have to kiss Ted Cruz's. Anyways. Um, yeah. Dewey, I want you to imagine something. Imagine, and it's probably not so long ago for you, imagine being a high school or a college kid, and you've been going steady with a girl for two years. But you've also, for the last couple of months, been seeing another girl on the side. And and she, the second girl, is aware of your steady, right? Sure. The steady the steady's not. And of course this is not that much of a fantasy, really, when you think about it. Um well fantasy maybe, but uncommon, no. Uh, so <laughs> you sit down and you you say over a drink one night to the second girl the fling girl, you say to her, you know, I've been telling you that I don't really truly love my girlfriend the way she thinks I do. And I've found it really tough to, to, to leave her. It's been two years and it's you know not just easy to end something, but I've come here tonight to tell you something important. And the second girl looks at you and you say, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm leaving my girlfriend. And the second girl gets really teary and grabs your hands and says, I love you so much. You'll you'll never be sorry. You're really you're doing the right. I don't want her to be hurt, but you're doing the right thing. And you withdraw your hands and say, "Yeah, I'm leaving her, but I'm now engaged to your best friend." Two minutes. I didn't leave her to go to you. I left her to go to a third girl. Right now, the Republican National Committee has a guy whom I politically abhor, Donald Trump. I don't want him to be president. They have a guy with the second amount of votes, who I'm going to call the second girlfriend. Now, the Republican National Committee, if they were sensible and logical, and they wanted to win, if that was their number one goal, Dewey, they would figure out a way if they're telling us the truth about all the reasons they can't abide Trump, they would leave their their steady. They would leave the guy they have that has the most votes, which is pretty risky and fairly, frankly, anti-democratic. But they would do it because they would say this is an emergency situation and we cannot have 
this guy, even though he's getting more votes than everybody else, we cannot allow him to carry our name and run for president, uh, especially because he might win. So logical, reasonable, sane people would then turn to everything in the world you want. The second girl, you turn to Ted Cruz because he's got the second number of votes that everybody loves, whom you don't have to be ashamed of in any possible regard, that you could be proud of in every conceivable way. And who could win? Who could actually win the delegates before the convention? But you make it known to the world that you're going to make it impossible for Trump and you're going to pass over Cruz, too. The Blaze Radio Network. This is Jay Severin. On the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network bonus toss-up quiz question for today is one drawn from Logic 101. Ready? If A, there is a Republican convention because the RNC orchestrates it such. So, Proposition A, there is a convention wished by and choreographed by the establishment of the RNC who wants a convention so they can fix it. That's A. A is a fixed convention. There can be no other kind because this did not come about naturally. I didn't say that all conventions are fixed. This one will be. You have people getting votes. The democratic process is in play. Donald Trump and Ted Cruz and John Kasich are legitimate candidates, and they are all receiving votes, and fewer than half the votes required to win the nomination have been awarded. What's the rush? Well, the RNC obviously, evidently, demonstrably wishes a convention because they don't want a convention for convention's sake. They want a convention because they hate and find abhorrent and unacceptable, literally unacceptable, the notion of either Trump, and there is so little emphasis placed on Ted Cruz. They hate Ted Cruz more than they hate Trump, which really tells you what filthy varmints these are. The the reason the propaganda is going so well for Prince, Reince Priebus, and the establishmentarians at the RNC is because most people who aren't for Trump, understand automatically. Of course they don't want Trump. Who would? And even though it may not be right, 
you know, I can somehow maybe forgive them for teaming up to make it impossible for Trump. Which ignores the fact, and I'm begging you, if you have to trust me, trust me, I'm begging you, this is true. They, these people who will do anything, including lose, including betray their party, betray their own voters, lie, steal, cheat, they will do anything to stop Trump. But they will, would or will, do exactly the same things to stop Ted Cruz. In fact, if the situation were reversed and Ted Cruz had the delegates that Donald Trump has right now, the efforts by the RNC to stop Ted Cruz would be even more magnified and dirtier. Because as they know, Trump believes in nothing and in the end can maybe, maybe be handled. But Ted Cruz has spent his life believing in something and fighting for it. So they know they can't cut a cheap backroom deal with Ted Cruz on anything, anytime. And that means all the sweet expense accounts and the candidacies of Bob Dole and Mitt Romney and John McCain and things going along forever, just so a few select a hundred people can run half of the party's politics. They are more afraid of Ted Cruz. Otherwise, what does what is it manifest in the fact that they, okay, if they didn't like Trump and they dealt dirty with Trump, here they have Ted Cruz to turn to. But they're treating Ted Cruz like he doesn't exist as an alternative. What does that tell us? Okay, sorry, back to Logic 101. A, there will be a convention. A, if a convention B, sorry, no, uh, it's correct grammatically, but it's confusing things. A, if a convention. B, if a convention falls. That is to say, not that it's needed, but because the RNC is going to force it. Then C, they're going to force it because they want their own candidate. D, their own candidate, ipso facto, can neither be Trump nor Cruz. Otherwise... A, B, and C would be unnecessary. So given a fixed convention seeking someone other than Trump or Cruz, you tell me the question of the day is, if you're for, okay, just to be fair, if you're for Trump, or if like myself, you are for Cruz, Tell me how it is that there is a path to victory other than grabbing 1237 delegates prior to the convention. Even that, 
will not be a guarantee. Because I believe the RNC will change the rules and try to take it away from Trump or Cruz if they reach 1237 prior to the convention. But as you could see, everything the party is doing is no longer, there's no longer any talk about, no one's pretending, no one's pretending. Everyone, this entire weekend, everyone involved in the business of politics on and off the record is already talking about who is going to have the best convention ground game. It's called a floor operation. It's all. It's called convention special operations. Who's going to have the best one? Who's going to be able to cut the best deals, give the most away, bribe people, blackmail people, persuade people, cajole people, beat the snot out of people, threaten people, charm people? Who's going to be able to steal delegates from other people, put together a deal? And who is in a position to do that better than anyone else? Who is in a position to promise someone a governorship, an uncontested primary in a Senate seat, a federal judgeship, a million dollars under the table, a judgeship for their son, a judgeship for their daughter, a dismissal of an upcoming indictment of their company, a promise of no more audits by the IRS? Who but the RNC relative to the other candidates is in a position to have a treasure trove of stuff they can use to buy delegates on the convention floor. Who can fix a convention better than the people who hold the keys literally to the convention, who put the convention on? Frank from Pennsylvania, talk me off the ledge and welcome back. I'd like I would like to talk you off the ledge, Jay, but it's it's funny you should go into a, a relationship analogy to this because I've been using that lately to explain to people. I said, suppose you, I, I know everybody knows this girl who says she needs a nice guy but keeps dating people who are going to treat her like crap, and here's this nice guy right in front of her, and she's making eyes at and, and uh, you know, mooning over this guy who's obviously going to treat her like crap, and you just want to slap some sense into her, and that's the electorate right now talking about Trump. I mean, really, Trump, come on. You know, here's Cruz. Here's exactly what you've said you've needed, what you've prayed for, what you've asked for, and you're talking about throwing that away because you're angry at your parents. I mean, it's just Frank, stupid. we have a few things in my... Hold on for me one second. I'm going to grab something. Don't do anything while teacher is away from the desk. Be good. We have cameras everywhere. Uh, I'll know tomorrow. Okay. I have some stuff framed from my um, career, Frank. Not a lot, but some. We have scrapbooks and stuff. I'm holding a framed, a matted framed, uh, suitable for hanging, as so many people in politics are these days. Uh, a suitable for hanging uh, thing for off my library wall from which I've just taken it. It's the New York Times. It's page one. It's dated uh, Tuesday, October 25th, 1994. And every okay. day the New York Times, on when you flip over page one, there is a box, a cutout, what they call, a box quote. They put it in a box. And they take what they regard as the most interesting or significant quote from every news story in the New York Times that day. And they put a paragraph or two in a box, put the quotes around it, and they offer it 
as the, the quote of the day. Uh, this is Tuesday, October 25th, 1994. Quote of the day. He, meaning Rudy Giuliani, because here's the headline for page one. Giuliani, defying party, backs Cuomo for fourth term. Here's the quote of the day. Quote, he now lives and dies on his own to a large degree. The Republican Party wants a big tent, but it doesn't want an airplane hangar. Jay Severin, Republican strategist on Mayor Giuliani. Um, How long... Frank, has the Republican Party said publicly they they dream, they yearn for nothing more than a big tent all our lives? Well, uh, yeah, well, but here's the thing. I sent you this well, quote I'm sorry, of mine. let me finish my point. My point is when someone, and again, I'm against Trump, but when someone finally gives them, and it doesn't need to be Trump, Ted Cruz, when Ted Cruz finally gives them, the guy in second, if, if if Trump got to quit or got struck by lightning, God forbid, there's Cruz. He gives them a big full tent, but they don't want it. They don't like the people in the tent. They don't like the guy well, in the tent who's the ringmaster. So they never really wanted a big tent. They just wanted a big tent of, you know, moderates of of, of mo- moderate to liberal Republicans. They didn't want a big tent. People without hard principles that you can't fight. Yeah, uh, well, weeds, weeds in the garden don't necessarily increase its yield. And right now you've got Trump promising to bring in all the Democrats. We don't need Democrats. Democrats were the problem in the Democrat Party. Okay, But we do need Democrats willing to, to realize become, that they're not Democrats. Become, are we going to naturalize them into the Republican Party? Be, make well, sure it that happens. They learn, adopt our principles? It happens, Are they going to Californicate us? Well, Frank, call again soon. It's a great question. I'm sorry we didn't have more time, mostly because I was uh, jawing at you. But, you know, my answer is yes. I think we will naturalize them. I think we will. I mean, I stood on the convention floor in 1980 when Jean Kirkpatrick, a lifelong legacy Democrat, identified herself as such and said, until this evening... I didn't leave. She was there to nominate Ronald Reagan for president of the United States. And she said famously, and she was the first to say it, I didn't leave the Democrat Party. The Democrat Party left me. Jay Severin, the Blaze Radio Network. The Jay Severin Show on the Blaze Radio Network. The number being 1 888 900 3393. And Twitter at JAY underscore Severin. Okay, your headlines from this weekend more violence, 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 more Trump violence. By the way, This is what's called the big lie. This pains me greatly because it sounds like I am defending Donald Trump. I am not defending Donald Trump. 
I am defending the Constitution of the United States, which is why I am supporting Ted Cruz. But please listen carefully. I am not defending Trump, though the notion that there is rampant violence and it's Trump's fault are both lies. Alan Dershowitz, the most excellent fellow and greatest living American constitutional scholar, my professor, my friend, friend of this show, Amicus Shoei, was here last week to tell us the state of the law. And the law is disruption is not a First Amendment right. You cannot go to a rally or a meeting of an individual or an organization and disrupt it. You may boo, you may hiss, but you may not do anything on a sustained basis which prevents the other person from communicating their message. This is the state of the law right now. These people are not only disruptors, they're professional disruptors. There has been very little violence. There has been raucousness. There has been mayhem. A few people, two or three that I know of, have been punched. There have been no riots. There has been no violence. Yet, the media doesn't care about the facts. Violence. 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 Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Donna just sent me a very reasonable tweet, and it said, you use, I am not, what, Donna, what did you say? Because uh, I've written you back already, and uh, my, my response is up on the screen. Donna, Donna says, pretty sure I've heard, I'm not defending, meaning Trump. I'm not defending Trump as a qualifier more with Trump than any other candidate you've talked about and Donna's absolutely right I feel very much vexed by this not because I feel ambivalent about it I don't want Donald Trump to be president of the United States I believe with all my heart that Donald Trump very seriously very seriously lacks, and I'm being as charitable and diplomatic here as I know how to be, very, very seriously lacks the temperament. And please draw that word most broadly. I believe that Donald Trump profoundly lacks the temperament to be a president of the United States. I don't want him to be president of the United States. Unconnected with which, I very much do want Ted Cruz to be president of the United States. Not because I don't want Trump, because I do want Ted. They're separate. They're unconnected. They're only coincidentally in the same paragraph. But to Donna and to you, just so I feel a little bit better, I understand that my, look, 
Trump is not just in the news every day. You and I know this. Trump is the news every day. Trump is the news every day. Trump has shaped this campaign every day so far. Trump is the campaign so far. Trump is the news every day. And therefore, everything the campaign is about, everything the Civic Circus Maximus is about, is about, to some large degree, connected with Trump. Trump, I feel like Dickens when he says, Heap, Uriah Heap, that man Heap, that man Trump. But the reason I mention him is because he is the news. And Donna, at all, the reason I say I'm not defending is because my continuous, his continuous presence in the news and therefore my and my colleagues addressing him could be not unreasonably misconstrued as sympathy for him as opposed to sympathy for the First Amendment or antipathy for fixed conventions. But just so we all understand each other, heap and veritas. I believe, it, welcome back, best and brightest, my dear radio family, my friends, my partners, thank you for the job. I believe it is in David Copperfield, Charles Dickens said, no parent must ever be asked which is the favorite of his children, but now in my later years, I feel moved to admit to you that perhaps of all my children, Copperfield may be my favorite. I believe, and I get some of them mixed up, I continually reread the big four, what I regard as the big four of Dickens, the best books ever written. Uh, well, I'll forget one now for sure, now that I'm speaking about it live. Uh, David Copperfield, Great Expectations, the Pickwick Papers, and the one I've forgotten. But I believe it's in Copperfield, in which one of my very favorite characters, Mr. Micawber, played by W.C. Fields in the great 1938 uh, movie, I think by David Lean. Uh, Mr. Micawber, every dirty annoying thing in his life at a certain point of his life seems to have the fingerprints on it of this detestable character Uriah Heep and Macabre comes to just toward certain parts of the book just you know tear out his hair and throw his hat to the ground and yell Heep that man Heep and that's now I feel about Trump can't we have a day without heap, without Trump? But alas, we cannot. And because we cannot, we cannot. 
So if someone said, you know, you know, Jay never goes a day without mentioning Trump. No, no, I don't. And every day I can possibly talk about the Civic Circus Maximus and talk about someone else instead or two or more. I do. But almost every day. When is the last time Ted Cruz made news? Yo, yo, I'm fixing some new rhymes. When's the last time Cruz made news? Yo. Okay. When when Ted makes news, baby, I'm there. Baby, I'm yours. I'm there. When's the last time Ted made news? When's the last time Ted did something I could make make news? I'll admit I'll take a, a special second look at something that Ted does just for the sake of you know, I love custard pudding, but after eating nothing but custard pudding for three days, liver and onions would be looking real good to me. Heap! I don't mention Trump because I want to. I mention Trump because he is the news. The genius, and it is, it's an evil kind of genius, but the genius of Trump's campaign, you know it, I know it, is that he has made himself the news. He makes himself the news every day. He has done it again. We're going to talk to Dan from St. Louis first, and then, uh, well, Dan, welcome. Welcome back. Thank you, Jay. If you don't mind me rewinding uh, your opening dialogue 60 minutes Not ago. Not at all, but I'd first, like may, I, may I bring you in on something which is breaking news, which I should have sure. said at the top of the hour? Sure. No, but in addition to that, <laughs> Trump called a meeting today, Monday, dead Monday afternoon, day before some fairly quiet primaries tomorrow, Arizona, Idaho, Utah. He called a big uh, confab of two dozen or more what he's calling Republican conservative leaders. And this essentially is going to form his cabinet, he's saying. And no one really knows the agenda of the meeting, but Trump emerged from it. Every news organization in the world was there waiting for them to come out of the the room. Heep! And then he said a lot of nothing. And then he said, oh, by the way, there isn't going to be, there's not going to be a convention fight. There's not going to be a convention fight because I'm going to win 1,237 delegates prior to the convention. And they will never try to take it away from me. And now that is today's headline beyond any question or debate. That is today's, he made today's news. Not just some news, the news. Heep! Okay, go ahead, please, Dan. Okay, getting back to your opening dialogue and giving you a break from custard pudding, let's get back to Barry uh, Benito Obama, okay? And his trip to Cuba. I want to ask you a yes or no, in the yes or no uh, format, do you believe Barack Obama in his heart really believes in wealth redistribution? Yes. Okay, so he's. Do you think his mission in Cuba is to try to convince that government, the Cuban government, into following wealth redistribution? No, there. If you would permit me to stray a little bit from the yes/no format here, no, no, their government is they're communists. Their government is based on wealth. He's there to give us your money. To help. Well, exactly. So, well, I have a little bit different take on it. 
I think the reason he's going there is to set himself up for a five hundred to a million dollar a speech speeches oh, on how great oh, that goes without saying. The, the, the Cuban government is. That goes without saying. You're right. No, you're I absolutely mean, right, and I don't mean to diminish it by saying it goes without saying. That anything, anything, oh, my God, yes, anything that Obama does, this is now, he looks at the Clinton Foundation and he gets erect. I mean, this is oh my realizes God, yes. what the real purpose of post-presidency is. Absolutely, which I know I'm going to touch on Trump and immediately get off him, which falls into the, to, to, to the Trump camp because he's going to eat that up. He's going to eat this visit up. He's already eating it up. You know, saying he turned the what plane around mean? if the guy was going to be to waste a news cycle. I'm playing devil's advocate, mate. What, what is, what's yeah. he going to do? Waste a news cycle attacking the guy who's already politically dying? Well, well, he's going to attack it by saying Hillary thinks this guy's done a great job. Okay, and then she's going to follow, you know, follow his lead into the next four years. I mean, and, and I didn't want to talk about bank, Trump because I'm a very few bank shots. There are very few bank shots in politics. You realize the amount of energy, then by that I mean coverage and impact. Do you know if we could do a formula for it? I'm not going to try, but if we could put down a formula on a whiteboard for it, do you know the amount of energy, news value-ness that a bank shot loses? You really think Donald Trump is going to spend a news cycle attacking Obama? He'll mention no, him. Not, but... not until the debates. No, not until the debates. No, I don't think he's going to waste Fair no. enough. Fair enough, because maybe okay. then no, not until the, you the, can force her in a in a in a in a caged rat circumstance to you know to poke at her and make her answer for him. Then I agree. Right. So that's getting back into if he really believed in and and redistributing wealth. If he really believed that, Jay, well, why? Then that would be his mission. On, have we had an answer huh? in the? Has the court heard an answer in the affirmative here today? We know. No, no one disputes it. Of course he believes in income redistribution. Okay, but why isn't he down there trying to sell it to the, to the Cuban government then? He's there to give everything to them. We're not getting okay, anything okay. from the... We're not going to get under, anything. I, under, I understand 50 that, bundlers, but his message... 50 bundlers who have given uh, $100 million or more to the Obama campaign in the last seven years, are going to get uh, a, a unique trading rights for fast food or uh, farm machinery sales or something in the the country of Cuba. Uh, the, the, because that's in, in his, his plane is one-third politic, politicians, um, one-third White House staff, and one-third businessmen who have been his bundlers. Other than that, he's there to give them American stuff, American aid, American programs, American everything. We get nothing. Absolutely, we get nothing. And the fact is, who doesn't get anything are the people that voted for him. Well, The people yeah, that but... voted for him took him at his word that he was going to go out there and take from the rich and give to you guys. But he did. But and he, he did. No, no, no. No, 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 not. No, not you and me. No, no, no. No, no, absolutely no, not. not. I know that. The people, I understand that. The people, the people who voted for him, Dan, for that reason, got what they bargained for. Oh, absolutely. Abs absolutely. All right, but nobody so is angry? talking. What's the complaint? 
what 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 is the complaint? Is is is, is yeah, people who's are too damn stupid? Nobody. Thank you. Oh. Courts courts in recess. This is Jay Severin, Severin. on the Blaze Radio Network. Radio Network. And my partners on the Blaze, 1 888 It's getting serious. Uh, <clears throat> when we were children, what was it? We spake of childish things. Now it's time to put away childish things. Childish things include an uninterfered with democratic process by which People select their candidate. We have two people who have earned a lot of votes and a lot of delegates, although no one's gotten half of what they need. And rather than let that play out, we have the crypto-fascists who run the Republican Party taking the most severe and extraordinary steps to protect their jobs and their their fiefdoms by making sure that nobody who would ever threaten them, no one who would ever threaten the status quo, everything these vile liars have told you they want to do for you, big tent, shake things up, end politics as usual, They have someone who can do that. His name is Ted Cruz. And if the Republican Party really wanted that, and they really wanted someone with the intelligence, dignity, judgment, experience, temperament to be president of the United States, who has spent his life shaking things up and proving he will do it at any cost to himself or his career, they have the person They've told me they've always wanted. They got him. And now they don't want him because they never meant those things they said to us. All weekend long, more Trump violence. Now, you know where this is supposed to go. Dominant weekend headlines, Trump violence, Trump violence, before we ask the unavoidable question, where? What violence? The biggest violence was the disruptors putting a chain across the road on an Arizona highway, which maybe did or did not cause someone in an ambulance caught in the backup four miles back to die of a heart attack. Uh, or a mother to breach a birth in an ambulance two miles back, or someone else to lose a child to a breathing disorder in the backup one mile back because Black Lives Matter think that 
some kinds of lives matter other than others to the extent that you put a chain across one of the busiest highways in one of the busiest states in Southwest America. So let's ask, does this somehow gain measurable strength for the unbathed, stinky, stupid disruptors? Is that what they're after? Or, or worse, is this more likely to produce a backlash against them in favor of Trump? I'd almost rather that the, the Ferguson mobs, the rent of mobs, and they are mobs, paid mobs, hired mobs, professional mobsters. I'd rather the Black Lives Matter mobsters get credit and rise in people's uh, esteem than this redound in the form of a backlash supporting Trump. These are professional disruptors. And they will do this. Remember, this isn't because it was Trump. If Cruz had been speaking in Arizona yesterday, they would have done it to Cruz. If any truly conservative conservative were left of these 17 Republicans other than the two we've got, they would be doing it against them. They wouldn't do it against Heb, Heb, or Kasich because they love them. Seven on the Blaze Radio Network. Show. On the Blaze Radio Network. We're in a serious time. You know, we're in a serious time. I, I want to have fun. I I love this. I Civic Circus Maximus. Daddy, tell me you're taking us to the circus this weekend. I'm taking you to the circus every day, little one. But it's a different kind of circus. It's a Civic Circus Maximus. But you must learn from it. Because there won't be any circus of any kind left if you do not learn the pitfalls and the joys of this one, right? The real headline, there are so many headlines this weekend, as I say, that weren't headlines and gave us a breathing, a breath. Here's one. Sunday, New York Times, page one. Top Republicans meet and form plan to defeat Trump. Now, that headline is a lie because the headline really is top Republicans meet to form plan to pick own nominee. The thing in this they love, the thing in this these bastards love is that their buddies in the media keep writing it exactly the way they want them to write it. And that is, yeah, yeah, that's it. We're against Trump. They're against Trump, all right. But they're also against Ted Cruz. And if Donald Trump got hit by a bus, God forbid, tomorrow, and Ted Cruz were the nominee, 
None of these stories would change. If you are so worried about Donald Trump, if you are so fearful of Donald Trump and what he represents, if you are so respectful, worshipful of Ronald Reagan and those things for which he stood, if Ronald Reagan were alive, he would be Ted Cruz's campaign manager. Do I kid? If Ronald Reagan were alive, you know, depending on where he were in his life, he would, is there any question Ronald Reagan would be for Ted Cruz? Is there any question? No, there is no question. And Ronald Reagan was not the perfect conservative. There is no such thing. But Ronald Reagan was not the most perfect constitutional libertarian conservative champion of freedom. He was not the most perfect in the last 150 years. Ted Cruz is. Is. And his own party rejects him. So this headline, top Republicans form, meet to to plan defeat of Trump. No, no. Any honest editor in the world would change that and say, why don't you write what you mean? Top Republicans meet to form plan to choose own nominee. The sterling names being bandied about are former Senator Tom Coburn of Nebraska. Who? Exactly. Nice guy, but who? Also, Rick Perry of Texas. Super guy. He lost. People had a chance to vote on Rick Perry. And they said, nice fellow. Thanks, but no thanks. How? Why, why are we importing candidates when people are voting on them and the democratic process is working and we have two clear front runners, one that I may not like, but it, it doesn't amend the fact that the democratic process is working as it ought, and we have two clear front runners. So if we don't like one, we should go to the other, or the next, or the next. What does it tell you that they're overlooking Ted Cruz? It tells us what you know. It confirms what you know. You have Ted Cruz... And you have to go on a manhunt? You have Ted Cruz and you have to place ads in the newspaper? Position wanted? Position open? Trump in Utah uh, plays the Mormon card. He said last night, Mormons love faith. And thus will not vote for lying Ted. I don't. I have the pleasure to have the acquaintance and more of some Mormons, to say the least, I think. And my opinion of them formed some time ago is that. 
they do not work in lockstep other than a lockstep of faithfulness. And if anything, my guess, it's only a stupid guess, would be that people of faith, of any faith, who, who, but people of faith would be most likely to vote against or to find unacceptable someone who says, I know you and you won't vote for my opponent because he's a liar. I don't know. I would think that might have a backlash in the community that Trump is talking about, but I, I can't claim any uh, expertise here. Mark from the land, oh, Mary. Welcome. Thanks for your patience. Hey, Jay. How you doing? Mark, uh, I am well. Thank you for the inquiry. Uh, I've decided that uh, after this election, uh, I'm leaving the Republican Party because of the tactics and stuff that are going on right now. Uh, you know, Mark, I, said, I think that Gene Kirkpatrick may have upstaged you in 1980, uh, I think that what you may be saying is you're not leaving the Republican Party. The Republican Party is leaving you. They definitely are leaving me. Um, I mean, look at what, uh, I don't know if you got the word on Dana Lash, but uh, they've posted her address and uh, their teenage son's not worried about it, but the youngest son who's 11 feels threatened uh, he's scared. Now you death. say they. Who is who is they? Dana is the my Trump colleague. Supporters. The Trump supporters. I see. <clears throat> I see. And uh, basically, I was kind of, you know, on both sides of the fence, Trump, Cruz, Trump, Cruz, but I've definitely fallen over to the Cruz side now. And Mark, where did you family- where did you hear where did you hear learn uh, of the news or the accusation? <clears throat> that uh, it was uh, Trump people who did who did this. Uh, uh, Dana Lash radio show today, second hour. They were ta- they were discussing it, and uh, you know these people are setting up fake uh, accounts and all this stuff and spreading the word out and all this thing. Well, they better. So this comes directly from Dana. This comes directly from Dana. Uh, step one. I mean, one first thing they need to consider. That's Texas. Don't mess with Texas. Two, she's from the Ozarks. You don't mess with people from the Ozarks. And three, uh, she's got the FBI on her side, so whoever's posting this crap and doing this stuff is going to definitely hear from the FBI. And I hope the FBI comes down with a big-fisted guy wearing a rubber glove. Do you think, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, um, I love Dana, uh, colleague, friend. This is the first I've heard, and I'm, as someone who has had this stuff done to him, um, I went through an unbelievable first five to eight years with the Boston Globe, and the only time they ever printed anything about me that... <clears throat> that did not cause members of my family to come home in tears was they did me the courtesy the day I bought a house of publishing the purchase, all of the details, the address, 
a picture of the house and directions to it. Oh, well, what do you expect uh, uh, from a progressive right, I, 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 the Boston it, Globe? That's, the, the answer is that. And I'm sure that's what Dana expects. My, my devil's advocate question is, the FBI is on it. They're on another case right now. They're on another case involving Hillary Clinton. You may have heard of her, in which oh, the actual, mean, <laughs> in which the actual, yourself? yes, in which the actual security of the United States of America may have been continuously, fraudulently, seriously, feloniously violated, and they haven't moved an inch on that because she's in the middle of a campaign and because the decider-in-chief happens to be the commander-in-chief. Do you think Dana can reasonably expect more? I mean, do you think Dana can reasonably expect what she can reasonably expect, which is prompt attention to this and the protection of her family when the Secretary of State and almost sure to be next president of the United States is the Manchurian candidate. Mm. I I thank you for the inquiry. Let's think about that and talk again. Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network. Is the Jay Severin Show. And these are my partners, Travis from the great state of Utah. I think this is quick. Yes, please make it quick. No, Travis, welcome. Welcome, Jay. Travis. Long time uh, no talk to. What up? Long time no talk well, to. Th- thank you for calling back. Uh, I was just calling in. I just actually did go. I saw Glenn twice this weekend when he went to Mike Lee's rally. Good and Ted Cruz is a big one. Um, Good for you. Obviously, Ted Cruz is going to win this state. Beginning of Ted Cruz's rally, when I first got there, when the line was short, it was roughly, I'm guessing, a quarter mile out the building. Wow. The line to and get in, the day talk- before that, I went to John. And the caucuses? The caucuses? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. Right. All right. Right. I thought so. Okay. So I went to I went to uh, J, uh, John Kasich's rally just the day before, just right. to be the one person, which I was the only one. Like they're asking him to get out of the race. What the hell are you doing, man? Uh, <laughs> they came out first thing started in his, in his little town hall. The first thing they said was caveat the whole thing, saying you know that nobody can get to the twelve thirty seven mark, and we are pushing for a convention. Oh yeah. No, he's been open about it for about a week now. Yeah. He but I always wanted to call in for a report from Utah. Ted Cruz's rally was beautiful, and that house was absolutely packed, and it was I'm wonderful. Happy to, I'm happy to hear it. We Right now, <clears throat> the only way around what we most fear, which is being manipulated, used, abused by these establishmentarian bastards 
who, quote unquote, lead the Republican Party, is to seize the day for ourselves. And that means to get 1237 for the candidate of our choice prior to the convention, because that does not make it impossible for the convention to steal it, but it makes it awfully difficult. And that's something that I, I appreciate. People don't spend their time thinking about this. This is new to so many of us. Uh, there has not been an open convention or a contested convention since 1976. People don't spend their time on this. I get it. There's a lot of stuff about this. I don't know, and I'm going to have to learn. But I, I, I know this. It's going to be something for these bastards to have to contend with half of their delegation walking out of the convention hall. Because if they've got someone who is there or close, Travis, really close, and they say, nah, all of, the, all of this was for nothing. Your votes were for nothing. The debates were for nothing. The cockeye, for nothing. The rallies, for nothing. We don't care what you think. We're going to go into a back room and choose somebody you didn't even vote for. And that's one thing I was trying to ask at Kasich's rally. When I was trying to get in, I was kind of being shushed down by the crowd. But I'm like, do you think in this politically charged of a year where Donald Trump is already kind of hinting at riots, that you stealing the nomination is going to work out well for anybody? Travis, I thank you you so much for the call and want you to know that the riots are the least of our concern. Republicans don't riot. Uh, We might walk out. But Republicans have jobs. Uh, Our side doesn't riot. We don't have professional rioters. We don't have professional disruptors. What we will do is walk away from the process. And what these fools, these swine, don't realize, the establishmentarians, uh, the the progs at the RNC don't realize, is that whomever they insult in the process of pushing their way to a fascist process, they're going to need every one of us to have a hope of winning this election. Every one of us to have a hope. This is Jay Severin on the Blaze Radio Network.